Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. This is Calvin Rosser. And this is Steph Smith. Today, we have a special guest. In fact, our first guest with us, his name is Ethan Brooks. He used to work with me and Steph. Ethan, do you want to say hello? Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. As Calvin mentioned, my name is Ethan Brooks, and I am an analyst over at Trends right now. So Steph and I work together. Awesome. We brought Ethan on today because we were staying with him here in Austin and we started talking about travel stories and we found out that there was a time that all of us had stopped using hostels and that ended up actually being kind of a meaningful experience. So I think we want to talk about our stories and more about what that means for how you spend money. In recent episodes, we've talked about lifestyle creep, which is the idea that as you make more money, you spend more money and your lifestyle creeps up on you. You end up buying more things that perhaps you never thought you needed. And I think this actually relates directly to what we're going to talk about today. This idea of in the past, all three of us at some point lived in hostels. I actually lived in hostels for years on and off. And now I can't even dream about spending more than maybe a night or so in a hostel. And it's bizarre to think about that delta between how I feel now and how I feel then. So to start things off, why don't we each just quickly share when we spent time in hostels, how long we were spending that time. And then we'll dive in after into the stories what really kicked us out of that mode. For sure. Yeah. I think you said something that was interesting to me, which is I used to spend a lot of time in hostels and now I can't even imagine it. And for a little bit of background, I spent a lot of time traveling from the age of 18 to probably 28, 29. And during that time, staying in hostels was quite normal. It was the, the default option for me, either in the hostel or sleeping in the car or something like that. And it wasn't until 2019 that all of a sudden that changed. And I'm happy to get into the details of this, uh, but it was during a trip to Spain and France. Just had a couple of experiences back to back that changed not only the way I think about hostels, but the way I think about spending on certain areas of my life. Let's jump into that story in a second. But Cal, what about you? Did you spend much time in hostels? When I first traveled abroad, I had a mentor fly me to London and Amsterdam and I stayed in hostels. He said it was like the best way to make friends. I guess it was cheaper too. And then when I started traveling when I was 23 full time as a nomad, I actually mostly stayed in Airbnbs because I needed good internet. But there were times where I stayed in hostels if I was just making a trip and wanted to live low cost or just meet people. That was actually my main motivation. It wasn't actually spend at that time. It was just having more fun. But then I had one pretty traumatic experience in Uruguay. And let's just say I have not stayed in hostels since then. I'm so excited to hear all these stories and share mine. I have a pretty traumatic experience as well in a hostel. That was the end of that era. But I think something Ethan said was really interesting there is in not staying in hostels anymore, I think there has been a shift in how I look at spending money. Whereas when I was younger, like you said, Cal, I stayed in hostels because not only was it cheaper, you could stay somewhere for five to $20 a night, but I wanted to be around people. I wanted a way to meet friends. I wanted something that gave me activities throughout the day. And that was what I was optimizing toward. But now that I've moved out of hostels, I'm not just out of hostels, but my life has changed. Now I'm more focused on like, how can I be more productive? How can I be more healthy? How can I actually achieve more things with my time and my money? Then it's a no brainer at a certain point where you're like, oh, I actually realize how important sleep is, for example. And so getting a good night's rest is actually worth some monetary value, the exact amount. I'm not sure, but that became clearer to me over time. So it sounds like we all had some bad experiences in hostels. Ethan, why don't you dive into your story? And I, I don't know what happened to you. Have you seen the movie Hostel? I actually wrote about it and then sold the script as a major Hollywood production. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I've actually heard both of your stories. Full disclosure to the listeners. Some of them are pretty hilarious, but I wouldn't call my experience traumatic in any way. It was more of just an eye opener, similar to what Steph said. So I was working full time remote back in 2019 and traveling through Spain and eventually France. 
I don't remember why I booked a hostel. I think it was the first time I was back on the road in a while. Hostels had been so much a part of my life before that, that I didn't even think twice about booking one. I just booked it. Ran into a couple of issues just logistically trying to work a pretty high stakes job out of a hostel. Like you said, Cal, you don't always have access to super stable internet. And uh, obviously hostels are like for a younger crowds. So people are coming and going and it's a little bit more chaotic, which was all right for a little while. But after a few days, I got fed up with it. And I found a hotel around the corner that had rooms for about three times the price of the hostel. And this experience was pretty formative and has affected the way that I look at spending for a lot of things ever since. So I got fed up with the hostel. I booked the hotel, decided to just burn the extra cash. When you said you got fed up, what was that? Like not having good Wi-Fi, being around people all the time, like not a good bed. What was actually making you want to get out of that situation? It was a combination of all those things. I was traveling for work. So when I do that, like work is the priority for me. And specifically as part of a remote company, you just need a connection. And I think it was probably the connection more than anything else that just kept dropping. Also, I was 29 at the time. I just don't want to be sleeping cheek to jowl with a bunch of grungy college kids. I'm sorry. (laughs) This is not that appealing after a certain age. So I was just looking for some more privacy, a little bit of peace and quiet. And I think there was also a moment where I realized I can afford to go spend a little bit more money on a hotel room. So I found a good deal around the corner. But here's the thing. I walked into the lobby and it was like, I felt just this breath of relief because it was architecturally, it was beautiful and there was space to spread out and there was a cafe that was quiet and the room was, I say gorgeous, but it was just a normal hotel room. But I remember sitting down and thinking to myself, this is what I want from my career and from my life. I want to be able to stay in a place like this when I travel rather than having to stay in a hostel. And I think there are upsides, like you said, Steph, to staying in hostels if you're optimizing for certain things. But that was a formative moment for me. It was the first of two where I said to myself, this is what I want. The gears started turning. I was like, okay, if you want to be able to spend 150 bucks a night, frankly, that's still expensive for me. I don't like spending that much money. What do you have to change about your career in order to make that a no-brainer? That was where I started thinking about this thing that I now call the 3X rule. I love that, Ethan. It reminds me of something that I've been thinking about in the last couple of years. I actually stopped traveling and settled in California where I pay higher taxes. Now I spend more each year and partially because I actually have rent and I still go travel. So I have additional expenses, but I'm more than willing to actually pay for that because my priorities have changed. Instead of fun and lean living, I'm now interested in how can I go deep in one place And how can I focus on the things that I really care about? And I'm willing to pay some extra just to do that. And I'm actually a lot happier doing that than saving a couple extra thousand dollars. And I think, Cal, I've heard you use the term or the saying, don't let the tail wag the dog. Or if you really try to optimize for like, how lean can you live? Then you're not actually living the life that you want to. And so I like Ethan's frame of determining what's like not a crazy lifestyle, but what's a lifestyle that I really want to live, that I'm comfortable living and that I'd be really happy in. And then work backwards and say, okay, if I want to live this lifestyle, given where it is, how I want to live, what do I need to have as my input in order to get those outputs? Yeah, I see so many people fuck this up. They will go move to some location. I actually had this thinking, I was paying taxes in Florida for a long time. And then moving to California meant that I was going to get a lot less of my paycheck. I think it's totally sensible to stay in Florida if you're happy there. But I'm like, I don't want to live in Florida. I want to live in California. And so I'm willing to pay those taxes. And I didn't let my tax burden wag the dog, which is my decision making. And that's just because I would be happier in this place. I see a lot of people do this with like career moves for nominal amounts of money. And it's just like, why are you doing that? You're putting yourself in an unhappy place just to make a little bit more money. I think that's silly. 
I agree. I also like to think from the perspective that hopefully this may not always be the case that I will earn more in the future. So I try not to think from more of a zero sum perspective of what I have today and more so think that, you know what, when I was 18, I didn't have that much. And I actually made a lot of sacrifices back then where I'd be like, oh, I don't even want to go to like a $10 museum because I don't have this money. And I lost out on a lot of opportunities because of that. And now I try to not spend like crazy, but spend with the mindset that what I have today will not be the max that I ever make. And that I will, hopefully, if I really believe in myself and I work hard, I can get to more money in the future or more income in the future. And I try not to limit the opportunities or the lifestyle that I want to live today based on just strictly what I have today. I agree with you. There's an interesting aspect to this too, though, which is as you keep earning more money, it doesn't always make sense to keep spending more, even on the things that you want. And this is where this concept of the 3X rule really came into play for me. During that same trip, I spent some time in Spain. The idea sort of surfaced with this hotel thing. I started paying more attention to how much I'm paying for certain pieces of my life. And like, how can I optimize, as you said, Steph, for the parts that are most important to me? Then I went to France for this class and it's tough to find a place in Paris in the summer. So I stayed in a hostel again and it was fine, but it was like a long walk to the class. And after a couple of days, I just got tired of it and I was looking around for something else. And this is when something interesting happened. I found two opportunities. So I had two nights left in the city. I was able to book an Airbnb for one night, which I'll get into in a second. And then for the last night, I actually found this killer deal on a five-star hotel right near the Arc de Triomphe, which is a super big tourist hub. Killer deal there. So hostel for most of the week, Airbnb for one night, and then a five-star hotel. Each one of those represented a, a slightly different spend as well. So the hostel was the cheapest. The Airbnb was about three times the price of the hostel. And then the five-star hotel was something like 500 bucks a night, typically, maybe even more than that. And here's what happened. So the hostel was fine. It was all right. It wasn't comfortable or anything like that. The Airbnb was by far my favorite. It was in a little super local neighborhood of Paris. There was local food, local bands playing nearby. It was a lot of fun. And it was very comfortable. I had a kitchen there. So if I was staying longer term, the cost for eating and stuff like that would have gone down. And then the five-star hotel was so funny to me because here's what happened. Not only was it way more expensive and the marginal comfort was the exact same as the Airbnb, if not less. Like the bed was the same, right? You have a bed. You have a bathroom. You have a door that locks. The Airbnb had a kitchen, which the five-star hotel didn't have. And the funniest thing was it became so fancy that it wasn't even convenient to eat anymore. I ordered a Caesar salad and they literally just brought me a head of romaine lettuce with like croutons on the side and a bunch of other ingredients like spread around in little cups. And I just was laughing. I took a picture of it because I'm like, people spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars to stay here. And they're basically saying, make your own food. It looks fancy, but the point is this, beyond a certain point, I actually think you're getting very often less value for your money than you are sometimes at a lower spend. And so that's where this idea of the 3X rule came in. It's like, for whatever reason, when I'm traveling, uh, I find that the absolute best bang for the buck in any given city is whatever you can get for about three times the cost of the cheapest option you can find. And I've tried this now in several cities in the US and in Europe and elsewhere. If I'm going somewhere new, I look for the least expensive option and then just multiply it by three and start searching for opportunities in that range. And I've been very happy over and over again. And it's just an interesting example of how there's a sweet spot for spending. And after that, you're just paying for the sticker. Have either of you ever run into anything similar to this? I hate fancy hotels. I hope I never stay in them. Although I recognize that when I get old, I may want that comfort that the hotels provide. But 
I find that they give a less good experience of a city. And as you mentioned, like the marginal utility on the extra dollars that I spend is just not there. I also think one interesting thing here is when I stay in nicer places, I'm more likely to actually stay in the place. And that makes me less likely to explore the city, which is why hostels are interesting because I'm like, I don't want to be here. If I have to work, that sucks. But an Airbnb is this nice sweet spot where it can be nice and you can get awesome places. But I get mid-range places that fit with my cost profile. And that also may encourage me to just get out of the place. Totally related to that in terms of getting out. uh, A lot of times these super, super high end places are in major tourist hubs. This was the case for me. You walk out the front door and instead of a local cafe and like local music, it's Cheesecake Factory and McDonald's and a bunch of traffic and stuff like that. So the experience is totally different. It's way more expensive. And to your point, I think there's a certain group of people who maybe that's what they enjoy the most. And it seems like it's worth it to them. But I guess the takeaway that I hope people get from this is you can actually have a fantastic experience without spending at the top end of what's available. Yeah, I think it depends a little bit on what you're used to and what type of traveler you are. Like I know I'm an intuitive traveler, so I just like to go to a city and just start exploring. I don't really look up anything to do beforehand because I want to like feel the city and hear it for the first time. Some people, though, they have stressful jobs. They only have one week and they want everything just planned out minute to minute. I find that kind of vacation, I think that's ridiculous. Like for me, like that would not be a vacation, but they like that and they're scheduled and it could be helpful to stay in a nicer place because it feels better to just have everything taken care of for you. I think that's totally sensible. It just never aligned with my personal travel style. So it sounds like there's diminishing returns on both sides, right? So if you go the really expensive route, you're probably not getting the most bang for your buck. If you go the really cheap route, you may be saving some money, but you'll be trading off other things. So let's go back to that second part of staying in hostels. We've all done it. We now all don't do it. So Cal, why don't you share your story? That was the final straw. Sure. So I was living in Buenos Aires with some good friends and we decided to go to Uruguay for a weekend because it was like a great time to go to this one place there and we wanted to gamble and just party and have some fun. So we stay in a hostel and it was the last night there. I had lost a bunch of money at the casino, which at the time felt horrible. I've since lost a bunch of money in the stock market and other places. And so I'm used to just losing money in that way. But I was feeling really shitty. I had drank way too much. And so I get to the hostel at 5 a.m. I go to sleep. And I wake up about 30 minutes later, I feel like someone touching my leg, I think, but I can't tell if I'm dreaming because I'm probably still drunk and pretty upset with myself for losing money. And I open my eyes and this guy is literally, this sounds fucked up and it was fucked up, but he was like pulsing his hands on my genitals. So when I open my eyes, he freaks the fuck out and he just goes and scurries up to his bunk bed. And I'm like, what the hell, man? He's lucky that I was able to control myself. I had to leave the room. I felt like just pure rage and like totally violated. So I didn't get any sleep. I just went downstairs. I hopped on the next boat back to Buenos Aires and I got the hell out of there. And I haven't stayed in a hostel since. And it's not necessarily because that happened, but that was just the final straw where I'm like, I can afford something more than this. And I don't want someone touching my genitals in the middle of the night when I've already had a tough go. The number of crazy hostel stories out there. I think there should just be a podcast about it. My friend had maybe not the exact same encounter, but one time in Thailand, this guy just came up to his bunk and was just like, you want a blowjob? Completely seriously. (laughs) My friend was like, no, I don't. And the guy just went, okay. And then just went right back down. But yeah, there's tons of crazy stuff like that. But I think I had a similar experience, Cal, where 
it's not so much that my final straw was so bad that I could never dream of being in a hostel again, but more so that I had slowly become like more frustrated and more tired from staying in hostels over time. And I had also slowed down the amount I was staying in hostels. But one time I decided to stay in a hostel. I was on safari in South Africa and we had to stay in this hostel for one night. I think there was eight of us and six of them had chosen to stay in private rooms. And I was just being cheap. And I said, you know what? I just want to stay in the joint room. So I was in a room of six and there's three bunk beds. Basically what happened, long story short, is I fell out of my bunk bed twice in the same night. And for anyone listening, I don't think you realize how loud a human falling to the ground and hitting a wooden floor is. I have never heard that sound before. And that is also the sound that woke me up. So I fell out of bed and I... And I continued to be asleep until I hit the floor. I woke up from that sound and basically everyone else in the room woke up, looked at me. I was so embarrassed. That still is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. And then I just scurried up back to my bed and was like, I'm okay. I'm okay. You decided to do it a second time. Well, not on purpose, but so I move around a lot in my sleep. I've never fallen out of a bed though, let alone a bunk bed. And yes, I was really embarrassed. There was two bunk beds parallel to one another. And when I fell the first time, this one girl sat up and was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, like I wasn't even sure, but I was okay. I think I maybe had my head hurt a little bit in the morning. The first reaction was what the hell is that? Not realizing that I had hit the floor. And then the second realization was like, this is so embarrassing. So I scurried up to my bed and that had never happened. So I never thought it would happen again. Of course it happened again. And (laughs) it was even more embarrassing the second time because the girl was like, she basically offered to switch beds because I think she thought this might happen all night. And I would just continue (laughs) falling out of this bed. But anyway, that was like the last straw for me where I was like, I cannot believe I just fell out of a bunk bed twice in this hostel and embarrassed myself so much. And so that was the final straw for me. Wow. That's super <laughs> embarrassing, but also sounds really painful. That's never happened to me, but I definitely have worried about that falling out of bunk beds. I will say though, we're seemingly talking about hostels and shared rooms. I probably still would stay in a private room of a hostel, or I think there's other ways you can take advantage of hostels. They may have some cool parties if you wanted to get into that, or they have like yoga sessions and maybe you can just go there to meet people, but you don't always have to stay there. But if you're traveling alone, it can still be a really good place. And you might be able to find the privacy that you need to make it more similar to a hotel or Airbnb. Yeah, I think there's a fine line these days between hostel and then things like co-living spaces or there's things like Selena these days, which are both. And so it's not so much that hostels are so bad, but I do think that paying a little bit more of a premium to stay in your own privacy and to not have to deal with shared bathrooms, shared bunk beds, shared a lot of things. I think Ethan's 3X rule is a pretty good one just to get a sense of like, I could stay if you're in like Southeast Asia, for example, I could stay in a bunk for five to 10 bucks, but you can get a pretty decent place in Southeast Asia for like around $30. And I think that's a good in between. Yeah. So I'm a part of this co-living community. It's called Outsight and it's a paid membership. I think it was like $250 or something. And what was interesting about that, you can go and stay in houses across the world. They have them in all kinds of places. Each house fits like eight to 10 people. And sometimes there are shared room slash bunk experiences, but the group of people, the quality of people that you get is on average much higher. They're usually professionals. The cost per night is certainly more than a hostel, but also the cost for the kind of admission to the community, I think is a nice vetting mechanism. And so you don't end up with the same kind of wackos that you end up with at hostels. I'm sure there's exceptions, but there's other opportunities like that are worth looking into where 
I think you can actually have more fun with shared living, but it's not quite the same as those European hostels that a lot of young people enter. I know you didn't mean to say this, but you basically made it sound like wackos were the norm and everyone else was the exception, which is not true in hostels. I think it's there are a couple wackos and mostly normal people. But I think you're right that similar to companies, if you choose to charge more, you get you know, as some people say, higher quality customers, because you're going to have less CX support that you need for those customers. They're going to complain less. They'll probably stick around for longer. They're probably less price sensitive, et cetera. And the same thing is true, depending on whatever accommodation you choose, you get what you pay. You're going to be surrounded by people who have the budget for that particular thing. But then also, I think it's really cool when you stay in certain co-living spaces, if they're targeted to certain groups of people like nomads, you're again, like you said, vetting the people who you're staying with by choosing certain places. For sure. And I think one other thing to add to this too, is even just as a thought exercise, that question of what are you willing to spend, say, 3x on or 10x on? And this is something Ramit Sethi talks about pretty frequently, which I think is really interesting. Either what would you be willing to spend more on or take your favorite thing? What would your life look like if you were forced to spend, say, 10x or 100x on it? Yeah, I think it's probably a different situation for every person, depending on what your budget is. But it can be interesting to think about what things you would prioritize and be willing to spend more on. And sometimes just being conscious of those can lead to more enjoyable outcomes just because you're focusing your energy in the right place and your resources just don't get spread as thin. What I've found that's interesting is, so I think about spend this way too. I keep my spend really low in certain things that I don't really care that much about just to keep my overall lifestyle down, but I'm happy to spend in other domains. Like when I was in New York City, I was an investment banker. And one of the ways that I had fun in the city is I went to all these speakeasy bars and I would pay $18 for cocktails. That sounds ridiculous. And I've actually since shifted my perspective to be like, I could just have a six or $7 beer and that's totally fine. But during that time, like that was a great way for me to experience the city. I was really interested in trying good cocktails and I had great conversations and it was totally worth it. These days, any money I put towards surfing or learning how to better surf is like just immediate ROI. I bought a board. It was, I think, 600 bucks, which I'm like, oh, am I good enough to have an expensive board? And then I get on the board. It's like the perfect thing. I think that first session was worth 600 bucks. And it's just because I was doing something I love and you know, spending money in ways that just aligned with things that increase my happiness versus just being nice and not doing much for me. For sure. And related to that, at least for me, one of the things that I find is that the gain on increased spending in some areas up to a certain point is not linear. So if I pay, again, like three times the cost of a hostel to stay in a hotel, the experience, at least from my perspective, isn't just three times better. It's often a hundred times better because there are just so many things that you no longer have to worry about. You don't have to worry about your internet connection. You don't have to worry about privacy or cleanliness or the section of town that you're in or all these other things change with a, a incremental change in price. And I think understanding that can lead to some pretty interesting experiences too. Like Steph and I were talking about this the other day. I'm slow to say I hate flying because I, I don't want to cement that in my mind. But for the last few years, I have been much more hesitant to fly than I ever was before. I flew fine until I was about 22 years old. And all of a sudden, I remember I was on a plane one night headed back to Hawaii where I was living. And the stewardess closed the door 
And my heart rate just shot through the roof. It was like in my head, I just knew you're stuck here until somebody decides to let you off. And ever since then, it's been very difficult for me to fly. Now, Cal and I used to work together doing event work all over the country. So flying was a big part of my job. And I had to figure out ways to get through that. And one thing that I discovered, which I still use to this day, is I had never flown first class before that job. And there was one time I all of a sudden had to fly on very short notice. I was super nervous about it. So I just said, you know what? I think the experience in first class is probably going to be better for me, just like for the specific challenges that I face around this. So I just splurged on the ticket. And what I found was that it wasn't just tolerable. It was enjoyable. It was like the first time I enjoyed flying in a while. And the reason was that that one change eliminated all the things that I hate about the flying experience. Like I don't like being packed in with crowds. I don't like being forced to stand in line for a long period of time. There's just a lot of things that I don't like about it. All of those go away when you pay for first class. So all of a sudden, if you understand the things that you care the most about or the things that stress you out the most, very often with a relatively reasonable change in spending, you can have a dramatically outsized improvement in your quality of living. So just circling back to that concept again of understanding what it is that you either really want to prioritize or like the things that you hate. I guarantee you, I don't care what your budget is. If you're very clear about what you don't like, money can help change that. And it doesn't have to be a big amount of money. It's more about having focus and understanding where to apply leverage. Exactly. We've talked before about how money should be used as a tool. And so I love flying even in economy. And so that additional money doesn't really bring me mileage, but for you, it does. And there's other areas in my life where it might bring me mileage, but not you. And so it's important, like you said, to identify those areas and to use your money appropriately to improve your life. That's what we have it for. I don't know if we've covered this topic, Steph, but one of the cool things I think about money is it, it can actually, if you spend more in a particular domain that you care about, it leads to this like feedback loop where you then spend more time working on something or you enjoy it more. So you actually make more progress in the thing that you care about. A personal example is in business. So I have my personal website and newsletter and stuff like this. I've actually always paid more for the best tools that I can find for like creating modals on my website or for email marketing or even for editing this podcast. I'm happy to pay a couple extra dollars per month for the better tools because my experience is so much better. It makes me do it more often. And there's crazy amounts of ROI. I remember the first thing I did was I tried out the free platform MailChimp. It was free at the time, up to 2000 subscribers. And I fucking hated it. And I just hated the experience of writing the email. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get in the habit of writing. I need to pay my way out of this for a nicer tool. And that nicer tool has been the one I've used ever since then. And I enjoy writing my email actually in their platform. So sometimes you can spend money like that and stop being a cheapo. And it allows you to actually make more progress in the direction you want to go. I'm the sucker still on MailChimp, but totally agree with you. People can do the same thing with exercise, right? Getting a gym membership that you're really excited to go to, getting a Peloton, even though it's expensive because you love the classes. Like I don't have a Peloton, but I recently subscribed to the app and the experience is really so much better than even the free YouTube videos out there, even though I guess the yoga is still the same, but I think that's really important that if you do invest in the right places, you can better your life pretty significantly. Okay. Shall we end it there? Yeah. This was our first episode with a guest. Ethan, thanks so much for joining us. Hopefully you had fun on this. Hopefully if you're listening, you enjoyed some of our hostile stories. If you have them yourself, send them into us. Let us know because I'm always curious. For sure. Thanks for having me in guys. Awesome. So Ethan, where can people find more about you and your work? Twitter is probably the best place. So you can find me. I'm at damn Ethan on Twitter. Damn like the swear word and then underscore Ethan. Awesome. And you can find me at Calvin underscore Rosser on Twitter. Please tag me with your funny or horrifying hostile stories. 
And you can find me at stephsmithio on Twitter. All right. Until next time. Thanks for listening. 